Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for another episode of Bedrock and Balderstone. And this time around, we're shaking off some ring rust, and we're going to get into Kill Bill Volume 1. We've been off the air for a little while. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for that, but everybody's been doing things. A lot of it is my responsibility. I've been kind of doing a number of things aside from the podcast, and so they've taken up a lot of my time. And, uh, and we're now getting back into it. I think it's going to take us a little bit of getting used to getting back in. So hopefully this goes smoothly. If it doesn't, by the time we get to the volume two discussion, I think we'll be back into our normal form. Um, so, so yeah, we're doing Kill Bill volume one. This is the 2000 film, uh, Tarantino movie starring Uma Thurman. Uh, and I'm sure everybody knows the plot. Like, do we need to discuss the plot? For anybody here, Adam, do you think? Probably or? not. It's yeah. uh, it's pretty well known. So I, I think anyone that follows this podcast would be familiar with it, certainly. And so when we set, like, obviously we've seen it. Both of us have seen this before. We, I assume you saw it when it came out as well. Is that? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But yeah, I saw it close to the time it came out. Okay, yeah, I saw it when it came out. I actually didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on video because I missed it in the theater. Or not video, I saw it on DVD or whatever the medium was at the time. And then when Volume 2 came out, I did see that in the theater. And uh, I remember, I mean, I like Volume 2 better than Part 1, actually. I think Uh most people tend to like Part 1. But they're both really, I I really enjoy them. Um, And I, you know, in every couple of years, I would watch it again, usually. I think think probably every five years, I would say, is sort of my my standard rhythm with Kill Bill. Um, Yeah. But uh, but obviously we've been talking a lot about wuxia movies and 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 things like that on the wuxia weekend podcast. And so when we sat down to do this, our our thought was to sort of, from the point of view of of now having watched a, a half a ton of these kind of films, how that how that shapes our response to Kill Bill. If it you know, and and I, I don't know, did you have a different reaction to it this time around, or did it still just kind of feel like the same movie to you? I mean, it wasn't vastly different, but I did appreciate little touches here and there. I mean, obviously, after watching, you know, the Shaw Brothers intro at the beginning was more meaningful. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, obviously, you know, having like Gordon Liu pop up, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gordon Liu now. I didn't know who he was last time I watched this movie. So, yeah, it it certainly is, uh, you know, increased my appreciation. And I mean, you know, the... uh, environment of the crazy 88 fights in this kind of you know area with the second balcony and stuff is a very i mean it's it's bigger than your typical shaw brothers uh inset but it had a very very much the feel of an in in a in a shaw brothers movie to an extent as a set and so on so yeah there are lots of little touches that that, that stood out to me yeah i thought i thought i mean I, I think that the uh, the Shaw Brothers references that are peppered throughout were the things that we were probably picking up on the most. You know, there's like, mm-hmm. obvi- like obviously, I mean, I think you probably have more experience with things like Japanese samurai movies than I do, even because I feel like that's a genre where I don't pick up on as much of the like. There were obviously different. There were references from a multitude of genres here, and yeah, I, I didn't pick up on as oh, many. Yeah. The Japanese ones, like I like Sonny Chiba, I know from the Street Fighter movies, and Lady Snowblood, obviously we both know. Um, yeah. And but but you know there, there were there were there were plenty of others that I'm sure we missed. Um, but I don't know. I I I I, I feel like 
I don't know. The, what, like after I, how many how many wuxia movies have we seen? Do you think? Like, what's your what's your guess in the numbers? Uh, I ah uh, boy, I mean, we probably if we if we had the audio or their spreadsheet, we could be precise. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I've probably seen. I feel like I've seen close to a hundred or something yeah. at this point. I I, I feel like that's right. Realistic. No, I yeah. I feel like you might be right. We probably are close to just on the podcast alone. And I know I have I counted my DVDs and Blu-rays uh, uh-huh. recently. I have over two hundred. Um, okay. And, you know, so like you know, we, but 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 it's funny because it really doesn't alter my opinion of the movie substantially. Having having no, you know, uh, you know, from when I first saw it, I feel like uh, I feel like it's made. If it's it's almost gone the opposite direction. Like rather than enhance Kill Bill. It's enhanced those movies for me when I see the Kill Bill references in them. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I maybe, get you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that's just a product of having because in a lot of the cases, with the exception of like Street Fighter and a few others, I saw them in Kill Bill first before I saw them in the, um, you know, these movies. And so uh, I think if you had the opposite experience coming the other way, mm-hmm. you know, it might it might be different. Um, but but yeah, so so it wasn't it, you know it, it didn't really shape it. it, it in some ways, it it might have it might have sharpened some of my critiques of some things. You know, there might be some things where I was like, well, before I saw all those movies, <laughs> I might not have been as critical of that thing that just happened. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, but it really wasn't all that much. I thought I, I like I don't know like like the aim of this movie right is to sort of capture the feel of all all those different kinds of films right not just wuxia films but like kung fu movies westerns black exploitation and you know like japanese samurai movies um you know i feel like it's uh really well executed do you know i feel i feel like uh it takes a lot of those kind of things from those sort of genres but it's such a well-made movie on its own that it uh you know, it's it's it kind of exists outside of those genres. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a classic criticism of Tarantino to say, oh, he's just pasting together a bunch of stuff from things he likes. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, I I get what people are saying, but at the same time, ninety nine percent of studio movies are just rehashes of other things people have done without any creativity that are just doing the same formulas, mm-hmm. and and at least. Uh, of those 99, at least 90% of those come near, nowhere near as close to doing it as well. It's like if it were, if you could just take all your influences and make something as entertaining as Kill Bill, every every schlocky blockbuster yeah. would be this entertaining. But it's yeah. it's what what Tarantino's doing is really hard to pull off. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it is, and and again, it's like it, it it's almost like you're taking the cream of the crop, and. Uh-huh. And that's what he's extracting. And even when he's not extracting the cream of the crop, he does it in a way that is like, uh, it just works cinematically. Do you know what I mean? It's, sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, some of the stuff he's drawing from is really schlocky kind of stuff. I mean, the whole Viper assassination squad and stuff like that is, you know, he's not, it's, I don't think I'd call that kind of thing the cream of the crop, but he works it into this whole, whole thing in a really good way. Yeah. No, one one of the things I did kind of pick up on this time that I didn't really notice so much the past times that I saw it was um, there seemed to be a lot of Pulp Fiction references in this movie. 
that I didn't mm-hmm. notice before. Like I always knew that there was connective tissue between the movies, but like down to like, there's a scene when when she's having a fight with um with Copperhead at her house, yeah. and Uma Thurman says, you know, we're not square or or something. You know, we would yeah. be square, square, and it's like a direct obvious. reference to the whole you know don't be a square thing. And she even kind of does the the pantomime. Um, yeah. You know, and there's a there's I, I noticed quite a few other things like that, like the the scene where um where Lucy Liu is taking over the Yakuza and she cuts off the guy's head and she gives that really subdued speech. But then she screams at the end of it. Uh-huh. Do you remember? That's the the way that she delivers the the, the the line where she's kind of screaming sounds just like uh, who was it Yolanda in um pulp fiction in the diner okay yeah like exactly like i was like that sounds so familiar what is it and it's like that's meant to be connected to that scene somehow do you know what i mean like like uh it it just seemed like there was and maybe maybe i was just missing connections he was making to other movies of his but i felt like there was just i just kept thinking of pulp fiction the whole time i was watching at this time Um, yeah like i i can think going the other direction I, I can remember when I, last time I watched Pulp Fiction, I picked up on the fact that on that sort of date thing that Uma Thurman's character and John Travolta's character are on, she's talking about some show she's auditioning for, and she describes it like, oh, there's these different... It's, she's basically describing the Viper Assassination Squad. Yeah. I, I can't remember yeah. the dialogue, but it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's no, that's, that's exactly idea. it. No, that's exactly it. And this is like, I think... And I, I know like certain of his movies are supposed to be like in a cinematic universe versus the real world. And this is definitely yeah. one that is in a cinematic universe. And so, you know, and I'm not sure on the status of Pulp Fiction, whether that's meant to be in a cinematic universe or in the real world, but I like to think that it's a movie inside of Pulp Fiction. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's like that kind of a thing. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just was noticing like these little tiny things that were kind of like, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, that seems like it's from Pulp Fiction somehow. Um, and maybe I was picking up on things that weren't even really actually connected. They just sort of felt like it because. Well, you're the same director. I mean, yeah. sometimes you get people have their creative ticks where they kind of write or direct the same thing over again, too. So it's tough to say what's deliberate and what just kind of came out. But I think, you know, like the square thing, I think, is, is too deliberate. That that has to be a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, my, my, th- my thing with the Viper, uh, you know assassination squad kind of reference in Pulp Fiction. It's kind of, he had that idea in his head and he's like, well, let's make that the center of this movie. But, uh, so, you know, it's just kind of, kind of having one idea and then reusing it in a different context. Yeah, no, uh, no, that, no, that makes sense. And I mean, I think that is where the idea originated from. And I think he and it says at the beginning of the movie that he and, uh, Uma Thurman created the character of the bride. Right. So I think, you know, that's sort of, you know, it, 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 it that must be sort of part of the <laughs> you know the the origin of it um, yeah now what did you think of the the fight scenes now that you've seen so many so many of these uh you know sort of kung fu style films and stuff like what well, did you ha- did you did that did 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 watching all those alter any of your experience on that front ah uh... A little bit. I mean, I think I, you know, because I've been watching so many movies that have, that are that are built around fight scenes. I think I think I'm, 
I, I pay more attention to the, the smaller details of, uh, of fight scenes than I used to. So I think I think I did appreciate the fight scenes in this movie better just because I, you know, I mean, I, I feel like in the past I've kind of let fight scenes wash over me a little mm. more, whereas I, I think I think more consciously about the choreography that's going on in a fight scene as I watch it now. Yeah, no, I thought I, th- I, I was trying to be kind of critical of the fight scenes when they happen, but I mean, mm-hmm. number one, the, the the action choreography was by Yuan Wu Ping, so it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, the 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 quality is kind of in the structure of it already, I think. But yeah, uh, I I didn't really, you know, I like I if if I did have criticisms, they're not criticisms that I couldn't also have of a Shaw Brothers movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I might be like, okay, that person's movement there seemed a little bit awkward or slow, but I've had moments like that in a Shaw Brothers film or, you know, in yeah. a Golden Harvest movie. Um, and, you know, not every actor is going to be like Bruce Lee on the screen, you know, or, or Jackie Chan. Like some actors are going to have a little bit less, you know, they, they're going to have to work more with the action choreography. But I thought, I thought it, I thought it all looked really great. And I thought that uh, what I really liked was the, uh, was sort of the selection of weaponry in the, um, you know, in the final, in the final showdown, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, especially the, what is it? The meteor hammer scene versus the katana. I thought that, <laughs> that was, a, that was a nice fight. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that particularly this time watching it, I think. And what did you think of the final fight with the, with, uh, with Lucy Liu's character? That that's good. I like that. I, I, one thing I kind of like about that fight is that, uh, the bride is really kind of shaky compared to, uh, Oranishi, but at the same time, she's just fought like 80 people yeah. and it's just really beat up and worn down at that point, you know. Whereas, you know, Oranishi's kind of starts. Well, I, I really like too with, with Lucy Liu's performance that there's this underlying, ten, you know, she's, she's very composed, but you can kind of see just subtly in her eyes that she is. She is really concerned about this fight, and she's taking it very, yeah. very seriously. I, I think I think there's just a lot of good, uh, you know, action aside. I think there's a lot of good acting going on in that scene that makes it work beyond the action. What I noticed too, especially like number one, I noticed a lot of things about the big fight at the end. Number one, it kind of reminded me of the diner, not the diner scene, the uh, the '50s restaurant scene in uh, in Kill Bill because of the music that was being played on stage and all that. That was like another connective point there. But I was really noticing. There's always humor in Quentin Tarantino's movies. Yeah. But I was really seeing like just how much more humor there is in Kill Bill 1 versus Kill Bill 2. Um, and maybe when we re- review Kill Bill 2 again, maybe I'll have forgotten just how funny that movie is. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like Kill Bill 1 has a lot more humor in it. And you really see it in the scene where like she slaps the boy on the bum with the sword. Yeah, and, you know, and just just by way to qualify my previous answer to when you said the final fight, I was just talking specifically about the final mm. two person confrontation. Well, that's what I asked so. you about. That's what oh, I was. Okay, yeah. I was just making sure when you yeah. kind of went. No, I I've just my, my, my good, you know good, okay. the, that was just a, some more of the ring rust kind of coming off. But uh, <laughs> but but you know but you know what I'm saying like like but what I realize is so the the reason and again we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because we'll talk about Kill Bill two soon enough. But I think the, the dividing line that I see between Kill Bill 1 and Kill Bill 2 is Kill Bill 1 has a lot more energy to it. And it has a lot, you know, it has humor. It has action. This, mm-hmm. the, the final fight in Kill Bill, not the one with Lucy Liu, but the whole thing in the, yeah. 
uh, I, I forget the name of the building that they're in, but like it's kind of like a tea house or a restaurant with a with the you know with a big sort of dance floor almost to it or something. Yeah. But uh, that is about forty minutes, I think. Yeah. In t- it's, a, it's a huge chunk of the movie, yeah. but it just it just kind of flow because I'm someone that if an action scene isn't interesting, I I get. You know, I don't like overly long action scenes, but this is not an overly long action scene. There's there's enough going on that it just stays interesting for 40 minutes, which is once again, going back to, you know, talking about what Tarantino is good at. It's like it is hard to make a good 40 minute action scene it is really hard (laughs) no and i remember i saw an interview where he was talking about this scene and he and he was saying how he was thinking of cheng che when he made made a lot of you know like like he he was because he because i guess the technique they used for shedding blood in the there's a lot of blood in the scene obviously yeah but it it was the cheng che method and so he was thinking a lot in terms of cheng che films and that's kind of what crossed my mind when I saw like the meteor hammer versus the katana. It seemed like, yeah, weapon selection is really important. It's, it's kind <laughs> yes. of in the realm of chop saki kung fu, but it really, you know, because Cheng Che really sort of originated with the wuxia stuff, you see that wuxia imprint on it. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of like the weapon selection, but but overall, I think I think that's the thing about in in a way it's it's ironic because normally I come to these movies for that sort of thing, but. With Tarantino, he excels at dialogue and mm-hmm. story and stuff, I think. And so, like, as much as I like the action in the movie, and I think it's great action, I think Kill Bill 2 captivates me a little bit more because you get more of the dialogue in the background. And you've already had it built on the stuff that comes in Kill Bill 1. Um, yeah. You know, well, I, I, my, my memories of Kill Bill 2 are a little hazier than of Kill Bill 1, I think, a lot, because it is it is a lot talkier, and it's like, yeah. it's a lot easier to remember, you know, a fight scene over, you know, I mean, it's been yeah. a long time since I last saw these movies, whereas uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of details that escape me about part two, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to watching that again, because I, 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 it'll be, I actually remembered quite a lot of this movie. I mean, the way I would put it is, I liked both movies. I thought when, Bill, when Kill Bill 1 came out, I remember enjoying it, and I remember, you know, I, 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 I had, I, 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 again, it was on DVD, so I was getting a slightly different experience than getting it in the theater. But then when I went to the theater and saw Kill Bill 2, I, I was in love with it. I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it. Like, and I think because it's got the whole background training thing, which is like a, you know, I, I, I like stories that kind of get into that. Um, and also, yeah. you just kind of have this slow reveal of sort of what the backstory is and what some of the underlying points of the movie are. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you yeah. get hints of it here, but you don't quite get is, you know, you don't quite get into it as much. Cause you're, you're really kind of there for the action in this one. You know, the, that's the draw to kill bill one. And, yeah. uh, you know, though it does have its, it does have its emotional beats and all that stuff. Like the, the, the ending scene is pretty amazing. <laughs> I think where, where it is a good yeah. ending. Very yeah. Good. Where where Bill is talking with was it Sophia? Is that the woman's name that he's speaking? I with? think Sophia. Yeah, yeah right. Sophia uh, or Sophie, one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. And uh, and and she uh, you know, she and just the, the the reveal of does you know, and again spoilers, but does does she know that her child is still alive? You know that that's a tremendous way. Like you've seen this whole thing where she's gone on this revenge path, and she doesn't even know that her daughter is still alive. And yeah. the reason I think that works is because that piece of information could potentially have changed everything that she did. Do you know what I mean? That could have stopped 
the revenge path in its tracks, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Or at least changed it slightly. You know, changed like, the trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like if she knew her daughter was still alive, she wouldn't have chosen the meticulous path of I'm going to one by one work my way up the pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. she wouldn't have. Been, she would have been more afraid of dying, probably. Right. And that might have affected she would have had her. Something to live for. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. might have actually made her more susceptible to getting killed um you know it's sort of like the fact that she's so fearless in this first movie is something yeah. that's probably important to her success as a character in those fight sequences you know like she's just willing to take these risks so um so i don't know what was what was your favorite what are your favorite moments in the movie like what 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 left out at you is you know uh, the gems I, it's i mean it, it, it's a tough question with this movie because it really it is a movie that's that's very consistently enjoyable all the way through. Uh, I mean, I I, I feel like uh, you know the the I mean obviously the 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 uh, early fight between her and uh, and Copperhead is is really important because that way you've even got her daughter in it too i mean i felt like that's really powerful just because it's it's dealing with a lot of the themes that are going to become more important in the second movie and uh and i think i think you know that's, that's why it's a good choice to kind of put that or even though it's something that happens after the oran oran ishii thing but it's put earlier in the story i think i think that's crucial because it it, it sets up it emotionally sets up a lot, so things are more important from that point on. Yeah. And I mean, the uh, you know the part of, of of the bride saying, you know, hey, you know, look me up if you're still still sore about this when you grow up. That's uh, just a really really interesting thing there. But uh, well, and that paves yeah. the way for the sort of the anticipated sequel that everybody has always been talking about. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's obviously where it's got to go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the opening sequence is really powerful. I think the uh, the scene where it's just sort of the, the clever dialogue of you know this isn't you know this isn't me being sadistic, yeah. and as a viewer you're like wait what how is this not sadistic what you're doing you know like what what does he it's mean and then, yeah, yeah. The, I, this I, hurts this hurts me a lot more yeah. than it's gonna hurt you yeah. uh. um, you know that but the the this, the way that's shot black and white you know just uh, and again you know what that scene reminded me of the overdose scene in um in uh mm. pulp fiction you know the same sort of the same bloodiness and all that stuff seemed to yeah. be kind of going on um but that scene the copperhead scene i think i think for the reason that you cited that something number one it's the first real action scene in the movie i think it's like mm -hmm. the first one where you really get to see this sort of exchange of two martial artists really going at it and i feel like they yeah. put a lot of a lot of effort and energy and because it's just two people you can really focus on the details a lot easier and so it kind of pops out and, and it's 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 the scene I always remember when I think of the movie. And yeah, but the fact that it has that just the way it's done where like you see the bus pull into the back and you see the girl. <laughs> I know. Come. It's it just it just sets so much of the movie up, you know, just the feel of the movie. You just yeah, the first time I watched it, that's like, you know, that scene. I'm like, OK, I know what kind of a movie I'm watching. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. Re yeah. It, re it really works. And it yeah, you're right. It does kind of help kind of present sort of this is what the movie's going to feel like type of a thing and yeah. and i i think the uh the other one is the uh i can't remember the character's name but the the schoolgirl character the uh her her like uh lucy Liu's uh yeah yeah bodyguard the, yeah yeah uh, 
So she, uh, her fight scene, I really like. I like, and I like the fight scene with Gordon Liu as well. I think that the one where they're on the rail. Yes. And, you know. Yes, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I was actually a lot more conscious of Gordon Liu's character this time because I know who he is. So it's like the, the way he kind of weaves in and out of the fight, you know, before they have their big confrontation, he's kind of, he'll kind of engage with her a yeah. bit on and off throughout the fight. That was like an element of interest that I think just kind of, you know, the first time I watched the fight, they all the characters, you know, all the crazy aids kind of blurred together. But I was like very conscious of him being the leader this time in a way I wasn't before. That That's a character I think if you didn't know that before you saw the movie, it would have a bigger it, that would be something where it would matter in Kill Bill because it mm-hmm. gives that character a lot more weight because he's presented as this sort of powerful foe. But if you don't know who Gordon Liu is, you might not, you know, you might be like, well, okay, what's so special about this guy? It's sort of like so if you saw a cowboy... these guys in a mask and a suit, just yeah. another guy. <laughs> if you if you saw a cowboy movie and some old cowboy came in and was like, you know, obviously important and you don't know who Clint Eastwood is, yeah. then, you know, it's not going to have the same impact. So it's sort yeah. of like that. But uh, but yeah, I I I I I really like I I I think it's a really well done scene, and I, I think that uh, it kind of gives appropriate uh, it sort of gives Gordon Liu his due as an as an actor in this. He sort of it's, it's appropriate that he's the last person before facing her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I also like in that scene how there's a lot of false stops and starts. Like you're like, oh, she's now gonna fight. Lucy Liu's character and no it's it's uh you know no we're, we're gonna have a um we're gonna have more of these guys show up and more of a bloodbath what were your thoughts on the black and white usage in this movie because I'm I'm not I think you're a little bit more cinematically inclined than I am so you might have deeper insights or maybe you don't care about you know those kinds of techniques so I don't know but well, I mean well I mean I don't know I mean I, I remember hearing this at the time so I'm not sure if it's true, but I believe that originally it was in color, but because there was so much blood, it was it was in danger of getting a NC-17 rating. Okay. And by turning it to black and white, it became inoffensive <laughs> to the MPAA. Oh, it's just people being murdered now, but you can't see the red. So I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that is the reason. And... I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of I would like to see I've never apparently, you know, there in other countries, there is the international version where they do have that scene in color. And I would like to see it in color to compare because, okay. yeah, I don't know that I as black and white was kind of done as a way of getting around censorship. I don't know that it it really serves a particular artistic purpose, really. In- and it's it's and it, I mean, you have the change to the blue light partway through the scene but you've only just switched back to the color before you switch to the blue and I, I you know i wonder if that blue scene would almost be more popping if he'd uh you know been in color up to that point i that feel a big change i feel like in the opening sequence it makes a lot of sense to use black and white yes that's a that, that, that is an artistic yeah. choice there um but i will say this i don't know what the reason is because when i was watching that fight scene i was like i can't as it was happening, I was like, I can't really understand why he's like, I get, it's cool. The guy's eye gets popped out and then it turns black and white. That's kind of a cool sort of, it, it has an effect on you, even if there's no intellectual reason that I can sort of grasp. It's sort of yeah. like, wow, a guy lost his eye and now it's black and white and it kind of hits <laughs> me in the chest. But as I was watching, I'm like, I'm trying to think, why is he doing this? What's the reason? And I couldn't really find it. But then when he switched back to color, 
And I did have the thought that, you, that where you just expressed, where I was like, I wonder if he was doing it to get around the censors or something, because maybe that, because it does look less bloody. Um, and I had never heard that rumor, but if if it's true, I hope it's you know I hope that is the truth because that is kind of cool. But <laughs> the when they shift back to color, you suddenly notice just how bloody it all is, and that's yeah, that's kind of a neat shift in yeah, awareness when you have the of the aftermath going. when she's kind of looking at when she's telling people you can go you know yeah. leave your limbs behind that's when you you see the whole all the blood on the floor and, yeah uh, yeah so i think i think it kind of it kind of has this effect of the fight looks really fun and playful until it comes yeah. and then it comes into color and you know you see the blood everywhere and the aftermath of it and it's 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 kind of it kind of has an effect because because in the black and white scene the blood almost looks like water do you know what I mean it's just it doesn't it doesn't have the same impact as it would in color i think so um yeah no that's that's actually a, a good point I, I have to agree with that 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 does have a big effect and i, I did i did kind of notice that in the movie when she looks over the balcony and it's just <laughs> yeah and so and obviously this movie is loaded with easter eggs like I, we probably can't mention every single one but like no, at one point not you hear you, like there's like a <laughs> brief use of this of this music from master of the flying guillotine you know there's uh you know five five finger death movie they have the 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 that alarm sound that gets used every time that the technique is used you know th- there's all kinds of things peppered throughout she's wearing the um the what is it the the track suit that bruce lee had on in game of death um yeah. Which we never did. We ever do Game of Death, or was that one that we, we never did? I I didn't do Game of Death. If okay. you guys ever did it, I was not on that. I week. don't think we did it. It's it's an interesting. Have you seen Game of Death or no? Is that is that would that be a new one? I right? have not seen that since like the eighties. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Game. <laughs> I'm not prepared to give too much intelligent commentary. I mean, on I I haven't seen Game of Death since I think the last time I saw it was probably 2006 or something. Uh-huh. But it's kind of like. It's kind of presented almost as like a follow-up to Enter the Dragon. It's got the same kind of vibe to it. The sort of like the opening sequence kind of has almost a James Bondy type feel yeah. to it. So it sort of gets back to that Enter the Dragon stuff. But obviously Bruce Lee, you know, didn't finish the movie, and so they kind of incorporate that almost as a storyline in it. But they, the ways that they get around it are um, Plan Nine from Outer Space bad. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Just like you know, like there's like one scene where they literally paste his i i don't know how they did it but the way it looks is it looks like his his photo is pasted on a mirror that the actor is being reflected into and uh-huh. it's just really atrocious and the rest of the movie they just have him walking around in sunglasses and in that same track suit but you can still tell it's not bruce lee do you know what I mean? like yeah so yeah so it's 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 very and then there's even game of death too and i think there's even other like where they where they used existing footage that that was later used in like a re-release of Enter the Dragon, but wasn't in the original release of it. They used some of that unused footage in Game of Death Two as backstory, and it it just gets worse and worse from that on. Yeah, but, uh, I've definitely never seen Game of Death Two. So, but but Game of Death does have some really good fights because you do have the 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 original final battle that he planned is still in there. Um, it's just totally unconnected to, like, it it. How they get there from the start of the movie is like a very sort of winding pathway, but uh, but yeah, so I think it's cool that they have her in that tracksuit for that reason, you know. But oh yeah, um, but yeah, so I don't know any any other things you noticed or any other thoughts before we uh, we close shop here. 
Ah, uh, no, no, nothing. I mean, nothing major. Uh, little tiny observations. I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I think, I think what you know, because we reviewed Lady Snowblood. I think it's interesting that there is the point where the bride really gets badly hurt during the uh, fight with Oranishi and almost goes down. And I think that's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Cause it, it kind of evokes the part where Lady Snowblood does get mortally wounded uh, during <laughs> during her final fight. And, well, that, uh, that whole scene, too, the fact that it's, because there's really not snow, right, in the beginning of that. Like, when they get there, I don't think there was snow in, in the... Uh, well, office. I don't know. I mean, it, there's... There's something snowish there. I'm not sure if it's meant to be snow or if it just isn't entirely convincing. No, no, I, I mean, I mean, no, that's oh, snow. Oh, snow coming falling. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, prior to that scene, there was no indication that it was snowing outside. I believe. I don't believe so. I don't then, believe so. But it's cool because she walks through that door and it's like she suddenly wanders on to the set of yeah. Lady Snowblood. Is how it feels. It's got a you. It, it, it's 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 obviously done deliberately. Like he, he, if they had foreshadowed the snowing, then it might not have the effect they want. Where you're kind of walking into this other movie in a way when she goes yeah. in there. Well, it's, I mean, it's also, she, she, you know, I mean, she walks there from, I mean, you know, obviously it could be like a rooftop garden, but it, yeah. it, it feels, it feels disorienting because you're going from the second floor of this, this club to yeah. what feels like you're on, you're going out just onto the ground there. You know? Well, it could be a, on a slope. It might be a building built on a slope. That would be. Uh, it could be. It could. Be. Well, I mean, it's in the city, though. I don't know. It's just. I. I just. It's not, I. I don't know. It's. It, uh, it doesn't really matter, though, does it? I think. I don't. It doesn't think matter. My point is. My point is the the disorientation is good. It's not yeah. a point of being going. Oh, this doesn't yeah. make sense. It, it. The 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 yeah the dislocation actually is good in this case. So. And and so you have the snow, which is an obvious reference to. I mean, Lady Snowblood opens with a snowy sequence and closes with a snowy sequence, right? Like that's the. Yeah. Uh, and and there's snow and there's blood. Like both of those things are delivered in Lady Snowblood, and <laughs> and I feel like you get that here, but you also get it like in the sword that Lucy Liu is using. It's not an umbrella sword like she has in Lady Snowblood, but it's got no. Yeah. What is it? Is that the hilt or is that the whatever the thing is the the, the hand guard thing? I, I should know the term. Um, I've got one lying all, around. All of, the, all of the weapons nerds and, and military buffs are screaming at the top of their lungs right now. Um, yeah, but, I know. But no, but you know what I'm talking about. It didn't have the, the little hand guard there around the, you know, the little circular piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of looked a lot like her sword. And, uh, you know, and, and like you said, the, there was something about it that kind of re- is reminiscent of the final scene. In Lady Snowblood, where she's on the ground wounded and stuff, so, um, and and it was a, you know, a, a really interesting death for the Lucy Liu character as well. The 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 so it's 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 CG, so it's and it's CG from two thousand three, so it's not one hundred percent clear what's going on. But to me, what it always looked like is it perfectly cuts off the top of her head, but the brain is like fully intact under there. Yeah. Is that yeah, it's a it's a really strange effect because yeah, the, I mean yeah, you think if, if it was just a, a simple slice, yeah, it would have just taken that brain matter out too. But she like she carved around <laughs> the skull and left the brain there. Yeah, which is, uh, which, which allows Lucy Liu to sort of you know confirm that it's a Dorian's sword. Yeah, because <laughs> so, if her brain had been cut out, I imagine 
she wouldn't be as articulate in that moment so exactly so i guess she died from her brain being exposed to the elements or something i don't i don't know what happens when the top of your head comes off and you know i hope i never find out but uh i yeah i I mean it's interesting too because the uh as you say there's uncertainty about what's happening at first and before you see the top of her head there's kind of this shot where you can see you know, because you, you kind of see the top of the head come off, but you're, it's not even clear that's just the top of the head. At yeah. first, you know, I thought she was beheaded. And then you have the shot where you just see part of Lucy Lou's head mm. with Uma Thurman behind her. And the way it's shot makes it look like Uma Thurman's above her, which yeah. kind of makes me feel like, oh, it's, it's her head just lying on the ground there and she's still talking with her head removed. But then you then you get the full effect. You're like, oh, OK, her head is is attached so yeah i i I, it's it's an interesting sequence of shots there yeah i I agree i agree and i i i and i really like how it uh it is the whole scene is disorienting in a lot of ways especially that last part where you don't quite know exactly what happened until the very end and uh and it's and that's i think that's in keeping with the style of movie that's like the you know sort of somebody gets cut and is mortally wounded and doesn't realize it until yeah, you're, you're almost getting, you're going from her perspective of, yeah. you know, wait, what, what just happened? <laughs> so, but, oh, you know, we didn't talk about the animation sequence. We didn't discuss that. That that would be. We did I mean, not do, discuss. Do that, you have any no. thoughts on that? I mean, it's you know, it's kind of, it, it's it, it definitely kind of stands out in the movie because it's it's so different than everything else. So. Yeah, yeah, I I I think it really works. I I don't have a particular thought about it but yeah it's uh it's 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 a nice uh way to to break up the movie it just uh, it's just another flavor i think actually fits in pretty well it's um i can't remember the what music was being played during that scene there's so much music in this movie that's it's but yeah uh, but i thought this i thought what that scene really showcased was the sort of capturing a mood and using music to enhance the mood of a scene. Do you know what I mean? You get like, there's like mm-hmm. this scene where there's blood is just spraying everywhere and the, the music is sort of hitting a crescendo and it really works because of that. And I think, you know, the, the whole movie is like that, you know, like, like Tarantino is kind of known for using music. And I feel like not a lot of people can do it very well. Um, you know, like sometimes you'll see other movies try to do that sort of thing and it'll, it'll feel like oh, we're kind of getting on a rail now and it doesn't quite feel natural yeah. to what's going on but you know but here I, I thought that really highlighted it another scene that highlighted it too is the last fight where it's kind of shifting from music to music to music it's sort of doing the thing that tarantino does but on crack because it's like he's got like five different tracks sort of lined up one after the other uh that are all hitting different moods and so yeah you know um, yeah and I, I think that and that that probably helps with uh with keeping the scene fresh, I think, you know, yeah. because you are, you know, because the trouble with a 40 minute action scene is a lot of times you've just, you've got that same beat being hit over and over for 40 minutes and you can only be so excited for so long because there is the, that, that change in mood due to the music. It keeps the scene feel like, it feels like the scene is changing even though the same kind of uh, events are taking place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and in the whole movie, like both these films, the thing I like about them is normally with two volume films like this that are both kind of long, like I think, what was this, an hour and 50 minutes or so was the first movie? 
Uh, hour and fifty something minutes. Yeah, yeah. I took a look to make so, sure I had time. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's you know, it's like four. I think it's like about four hours the whole movie. Um, yeah, it's pretty long if you do volume one and two together. Uh, but I just never find that it's boring. You know, normally with films like that, I'd be kind of reluctant to sit down and watch them because I know that they're a time investment and they might, they might sort of, you know after your third or fourth time, they're not necessarily as exciting, but this is the kind of movie that I'm always excited to watch. So it's just, yeah. sort of, you know, we, we chose it because we hadn't done this in a while. We needed something easy to kind of ease ourselves back into the process. And so, you know, which is, you know, it's yeah. kind of interesting that it's a, you know, a two volume film. Um, yeah. Like I've had a brutally busy week and there was part of me going, am I up to watching <laughs> a movie and reviewing it? And I took him off that. Kill Bill Volume One. Yeah. Just put it on, and you'll—it's like, yeah. Within a couple of minutes, I'm like, yep, I'm not gonna have any trouble falling asleep yeah. in this movie. Yeah. It's not gonna be an issue. Yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> when you get to be our age. That's that's a that's a a hazard of reviewing movies is you do get sleepy when you watch them. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 funny because reviewing movies is is fun. And it's, it's, you know, everybody likes movies, but when it's a requirement that you have to watch a movie, yeah. you know, it can be, it can be, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I got to really summon up the energy. Uh, but here it was fairly effortless. And so, um, so yeah, so, so, you know, we'll be back on, we'll hopefully have, uh, an episode of Wusha Weekend up this week. Um, I think I've, I've been, I've been talking with Dion and we're going to try to do True Legend if we can. So there's a movie called True Legend, which is really cool. And, uh. And I have a, a discussion of intimate confessions of a Chinese courtesan with Joel up uh, from about a week ago, I think, uh, that people might want to check out. And so, yeah, until next time, we will talk to you later. 